what am I going to ask Nick Brewer when he's on Storymakers? So many possible questions. Bad Kitty, how did you get in here? You're a sneaky kitty, too. Does Nick know you're here? Uh, but, you know, you could probably help me with some questions for Nick. So, I've been thinking. I've asked many questions to many different guests on Storymakers, but I've never asked them what their favorite food is. Do you think I should ask Nick that question? What's your favorite food? Are you going to draw the answer? I thought Nick was the only person that drew in the family. Okay, I wonder what it is. Catnip? No. Oh, of course, it's fish. Do you like your fish plain, or do you like anything with your fish? Oh, of course, ketchup. Okay, mmm, you love ketchup. Mmm. Nick and his family probably like to go on uh, vacation, so maybe I can uh, ask their favorite vacation spots. You think that's a good one? Do, do they ever take you on vacation? No. Ah, if you were to go on vacation, where would you like to go? This is very interesting. Wonder where it is. Okay, what is it? Oh, it's an island. Oh, it's Catalina Island. There you go. I know you have a favorite book, uh, but I'm not sure what your favorite book is. So, um, okay. Well, I, it's not the cat in the hat, or it's not the cat who went to heaven. What? What is it? Oh, that looks familiar. The very hungry caterpillar. <laughs> well, you know, we better get you out of here before Nick sees you. You promise to be a good kitty? Mm, no? Oh, well. So, skidoo. Hi, I'm Rocco Steno, and welcome to Storymakers. Today, we have Nick Brule. Uh, Nick, what's the problem? Uh, um, how come there's, there's all this cat hair all over this chair? Oh, uh, well, you know, we actually uh, do have a, uh, a, a kid-lit cat. You know, that's our logo. They're enormous, though. I mean, oh. they're, just, I mean they're, they're like pipe cleaner. I mean, look at this. Look at this one. I, I could stir my coffee with that. Oh, my. All right, well, okay, well. Doesn't matter. Bad Kitty goes to the vet. Mm -hmm. Number nine, nine. in the uh, Bad Kitty uh, chapter series. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little sure. bit more about it? Sure. The, the inspiration for the story mm -hmm. came to me about two years ago mm -hmm. when my own cat, uh, Esmeralda uh, suddenly stopped eating. You know, you know, now this is a very drastic change in behavior for my cat, because if, you know, if anybody's ever had a cat, you know that they love food, right? Breakfast is like Christmas morning every single day. She cannot wait to run down the stairs and, and, and have her food. So one morning, I opened up the can of food, scooped some out, put it in the bowl. She looked at it, sniffed it, looked up at me, did not eat a bite. So I thought, all right. Well, maybe there's a problem with the food. Got rid of it, opened up another can, scooped some out, put it in the bowl. She looked at it, sniffed it, looked up at me, and she said, and she didn't eat a bite. All I knew is that there was a problem and that the solution lay in my bringing her to the vet. 
which was easier said than done. So really the entirety of this book was inspired by the events of that day. There's another kitty in your life other than a bad kitty. Yeah, but you know, I don't, uh, let's keep that on the down low because I don't want kitty to find out. In fact, I even have two cats now, but hmm. Uh, mm. So. This goes all the way back to, to, to when uh, I was a bookseller. I, I worked at a children's bookstore in, in New York City called Books of Wonder. That's still there. I've heard of Books of right. Wonder. Right, you had other people on your show. You've had uh, George O'Connor. Right, yes. The store job was basically there to supplement this radical lifestyle I was developing for myself as a cartoonist. Uh, and during my spare time, I'd just sort of sit and I would contemplate ideas that I might create for children's books. Something I'd contemplated beforehand, but now that I was working in the store, I grew to understand what a good children's book was. One of the creative devices I use to come up with ideas is to think of titles rather than stories and see what comes of it. And that's been true for almost all of my books, including Bad Kitty, because I just sat there one day, I liked the idea of a title to a book called Bad Kitty, and just started asking myself what it could be about. The first question I asked myself was, okay, if I've got a story about a cat being bad, what does she do that's so bad? I came up with so many ideas, I thought it'd be interesting if I put them into alphabetical order. And then asked myself, okay, why would she do all these terrible things? And, you know, knowing cats, even though I didn't have one at the time, you know, food is pretty instrumental in their behavior. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll do an alphabet of foods that this character does not like. And the notion of telling a story using the alphabet more than once intrigued me so much that I ch challenged myself to go farther and farther and farther, and eventually that became the framework for the very first Bad Kitty book. In your chapter books, you have a character, uh, Uncle Murray. Oh, yes. Yes, and uh, so for people that aren't familiar with uh, Uncle Murray, right. uh, tell us a little bit about Uncle Murray. All right, Uncle Murray exists, and he makes his first appearance in that first picture book, right? And he exists because I then go into this, this alphabet of the foods uh, and animals that Uncle Murray, excuse me, that Kitty wants to eat. And I get to the letter U. And I can't think of either a food or an animal that begins with the letter U. I mean, there are unicorns, but they don't really exist. Wouldn't it be funny if I use Uncle Somebody? If I had to do Uncle Anybody, I had to be my very own Uncle Murray. Because when I was a kid, uh, I had an Uncle Murray, and he was a terrific guy, and I depict him just as I remember him. He was kind of um, bald and doughy, and I visit him at home, so he's always walking around in these you know, pajama pants and the stained <laughs> t-shirt. George O'Connor, who I mentioned before, and he once said to me that Uncle Murray's become the most unlikely uh, uh, you know, character in children's books to, to become popular. And he kind of has, uh, especially with girls. I get more emails from girls about how much they love Uncle Murray <laughs> than boys, which I think is lovely. So we have Bad Kitty chapter books, but there right. are also Bad Kitty picture books. That's right. The thing to bear in mind, for me at least, is that the picture books came first. I mean, there was Bad Kitty, and then there was Poor Puppy. Those were the two, first two picture books. And I didn't know where to go yet with this character. I, I had no idea of how I could continue this format that I'd developed for myself of doing these repeated alphabets in a single picture book and make the character interesting without getting dull. Um, and that's actually where I, start, I thought of something 
that took place years before when I was working at Books of Wonder. And I was unloading these little chunky board books. And there was something that always frustrated me that publishers did. They would take a popular picture book character, and a good example is Olivia the Pig. Mm -hmm. Everybody loves Olivia. It's a great character. And publishers would capitalize on the popularity of a picture book character like Olivia the Pig and start making these chunky little board books for babies and toddlers. And it always seemed counterintuitive to me. It seemed to me back then that it made more sense to take a picture book character and adapt the character into chapter books. So that way the character can grow up with the reader. Years later, I'm facing the same situation, what to do with this picture book character, and it suddenly occurs to me, maybe I can do that. Maybe I can adapt her into a chapter book character and avoid the whole alphabets entirely. And now chapter books, I think, have an even greater prominence than the picture books ever had. Uh, certainly there are more of them, but I think um, a lot of kids are actually surprised to hear that the picture books came first because they become familiar with the chapter books. Uh, before the picture books now. These books here, like uh, Bear Kitty does not like uh, dogs and, and, and Bear Kitty does not like lots of things. Right. Right. Uh, so these are uh, books that are aimed at uh, early readers. Very early readers. And, and the notion came to me for the first time about two years ago. Um, I was uh, doing bedtime with my daughter, who at the time was in... Uh, near the end of kindergarten, and like all kids, she was just starting to read on her own for the very first time. And I would pick up these books, and I felt as if a lot of these books kind of missed the mark for me. There wasn't much of a story arc, and I thought they were just too optimistic and encouraging. I think maybe the idea is like they want that tone because they want kids to be able to read, and so they have to have a very upbeat tone. So I started thinking about what if I took Bad Kitty and did the same kinds of books. And I'm gonna start at the beginning with a very negative tone. So every title is gonna start with Bad Kitty Does Not Like. So the first one is Bad Kitty Does Not Like Dogs, and simultaneously was, was Bad Kitty Does Not Like Candy. The point is, every, the titles are also the final line of each book. So the, the last line in this one is Kitty Does Not Like Dogs. The final line in this one is Kitty does not like candy. So the, the challenge in this are how does she, I mean, this is obvious, how does she not like dogs? She starts that way, but how is it that she does not like candy? Mm -hmm. um, or snow. Or snow. These are the ones that come out next uh, or sometime later this year. D Bad Kitty does not like snow. And Bad Kitty does not like video games. When I say that one out loud to a school group, that, 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 I didn't really consider it to be such a provocative title, but I get some some really horrified gasps from the, the, the young audience in front of me. And we have, uh, this is coming out in August 9th. It's Bad Kitty Scaredy Cat. Just in time for Halloween. Halloween, yeah. yes. Oddly enough, this is only the fourth Bad Kitty picture book. Seems like there should be so many more. Um, this one has my favorite illustration. Well, you have to show us your favorite right. illustration. I'll show you. There's actually only one two-page spread in this book, but I, 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 I love it. It's, it's my Kitty Discovers Candy. Uh spread, and um, I, I, I compress an entire alphabet into these two pages. And by the way, this was probably the most difficult of all the alphabets for me to compose. I found solutions in um, K 
candies from other countries. Mm -hmm. So E became English toffee. I became um, Italian truffles, things like that. I see. Uh, all right, so that was, that was a tricky one. And X is wax. Wax lips. lips. Fortunately, they still do exist. So a bad kitty is actually more than uh, just books. I, I see you have a yeah. bad kitty right. uh, tie. Now, yes. uh, where, where did that come from? This was made uh, by a fourth grade teacher named uh, Kara. Uh, and she gave this to me. It was one of the very first school visits I ever conducted. It was only shortly after the first bad kitty book came out. And she hand embroidered kitty onto this purple necktie. I can't imagine how long it took her to do this, but she did such a beautiful job. And so uh, our friends at uh, Merrymakers also yep. have uh, created a, um, yeah. a bad kitty uh, doll. Yeah, uh, I, I love this doll. I'm thrilled with the design they have on those. And uh, Merrymakers in general, they just do great stuff. And Bad Kitty's on stage, I understand. Yeah, that's probably the most exciting thing that's happened to me in a long time. I had the privilege of attending the opening performance. It is this extremely ambitious project. When they first sent me the script, I had no idea how they were gonna pull it off because what the playwright did was compress the first five Bad Kitty chapter books into a single 60-minute production with Bad Kitty Meets the Baby as the loose framework for the overall narrative of the show. All I can say it is spectacular. Well, that's great. So in San Francisco and Oregon, yeah. if people want to see Bad Kitty on stage, uh, go to your local uh, children's theater. Yeah. You produce so many uh, books, you must get help. No, 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 on the contrary, from, from the very beginning, Rocco, no one has helped me with any of these Bad Kitty books. These books have come entirely from my imagination, entirely from my contemplating what the next books are going to be. No one has ever helped me with any of my books. Not a single soul, not a single, um, um, these books, Oh Remember, until next time, give a kid a book in any format. Things are going to be very tense when I get home, Rocco. I think so. Yeah. Today, we're going to learn how to draw peep and egg. Ready, set, draw. Good morning, children, she said brightly. Let me introduce myself. I am your no dentist. My name is Miss Root, but I ask all my little patients to call me Mummy. <laughs> Howdy, neighbor, hollered an old lady. And standing behind this old lady were a gazillion children. Guess what these children did? They played baseball all night long. Stop, thumpany, hitting, thwack my house, shouted Hildy. Hildy was getting grouchier and grouchier. <laughs> 